you've done it. You've broken in with the potential customer enough for them to want to have a discussion with you and figure out whether it makes sense to have further discussions and possibly even talk about solutions, which led you to getting the presentation to demonstrate what it is that you could actually offer to a point where now everybody is interested in buying your solution. So there's only one thing else that we need to discuss, the price. And how do we do that? Let's find out. Do you desire a competitive advantage delivered weekly that will help propel you into the next level of your sales career? Then you have found the right place. Welcome to the Win the Deal Show, a B2B sales podcast for sales professionals like you that want to discover ways to improve your strategy, communication and negotiation techniques, and ultimately win more deals. Get ready to accelerate your sales growth. Now, here's your host, Tim Barnaby. Hello, and welcome back to the Win the Deal Show podcast. I am your host, Tim Barnaby. Today, we're going to be talking about price negotiations. One of the biggest areas that you have in your entire negotiation, it is the price. It is the one thing that is circled on the page that your B2B buyer is looking for, is craving for, and is usually going to be negotiating around. So today, let's dive in and talk about what makes sense for us as the B2B seller when we're positioning our price for the solutions that we're offering and how it's gonna put us in a better position in the manner in which we put it forward so that we can close more deals. Before we get started, make sure you take the opportunity to grab my free guide to telling better sales stories, the five must-haves to turn your sales story into a success. It's specifically for B2B sales professionals, and it outlines the easy, straightforward story selling strategies that I and my clients use to hone their most important asset. When used effectively, this will make you one step ahead to winning more deals. If you want to make an impact on your sales, go to timbarnaby.com story and grab a copy of the five must haves. Thinking as a B2B procurement professional, I can tell you that price is generally the one area that we will always look at. I mean, I don't even think I need to say general, do I? You understand, as a procurement professional, that's pretty much the number one area that we're going to go and look at. And of course, we're going to ask you to try and drop those prices down by 5 points, 20 points, whatever the number is, to make it fit maybe an arbitrary budget number, or perhaps show that whatever it was the first offered price or whatever m number that might be, maybe it was the 10th time, the 10th round that you have given uh, in your negotiation with whoever you've been working with, procurement is always going to look at the number and see what they can do to lower it. And so as a B2B sales professional, you need to be prepared for these price negotiations not just with procurement, but with whoever the buyer is, whoever is part of the decision-making criteria committee, whoever it is that is representing the organization. Most times it will be procurement, and sometimes it will be a higher-up senior who's involved because they want to show their negotiation skills as well. So let's talk about price negotiations. And if we don't get it right, I know that there are frustrations that you as a B2B sales professional will have because you will be starting off on the wrong foot. 
For example, if you haven't done your preparation in advance, you are likely leading with unclear objectives. You are going down a path without a map. You are really trying to solve a problem without really understanding what the challenge solution is at the end of the day. And therefore you will be perhaps down a road that makes no sense for you to be down. That this is where you're likely going to end up discounting because in order to get somebody back onto the right path, that's really the only thing that they're going to be looking for is so how do you give me a discount to make this work? The second challenge is that you lose out on your leverage. The challenge with not being prepared is you don't have all the levers in place. You don't know what strings to pull. You don't know where there may be areas of concern, areas that you know need to be addressed. And if you haven't done that in advance, you're not going to be able to trade off with anything while you're in the heat of the moment. So all of a sudden, any leverage that you think you may have will be lost. And that means that, again, you'll end up having to default to something like discounting your price in order to keep the deal moving forward. And finally, you will run out of options. You'll be limited in terms of your ideas. You won't have that creative element that will put you on a path that makes sense to be able to listen to what the potential customer is stating and then thinking of a different way other than discounting to get you to the same conclusion where both parties can be agreeable or amenable to what is the possibility versus just being a discount. And so you want to think about the fact that without doing that prep work, any of those options wouldn't be available to you. You want to make sure that you've done all of that in advance so that you, again, have them available at the ready in case you need to pull on them and be able to work through the price negotiation in the moment. If you get this right, you will experience a different type of negotiation. You will be more empowered for future negotiations. Why? Because your confidence level is going to be increased. You're going to feel good about the fact that you feel strong when you are negotiating. You're negotiating from a place of confidence, which means that you're able to present better. You're, you'll be able to come across more professionally. You'll build the trust between you and your negotiating partner. And you will feel like that this is really something of value that the other party can also experience. And when you've brought all of those elements together, that's what boosts your confidence to be able to do it time and time again. The second benefit uh, when you do this is having better outcomes, better outcomes for you, better outcomes for your negotiating partner. At the end of the day, we're looking to have a deal put together that ultimately, for lack of a better word, really is a win-win, even though win-win doesn't always exist. There is always going to be somebody who feels like they didn't get something out of the deal. And so, but you still want to attempt to make the negotiation proceed in a manner where both parties at least feel like they were treated fairly, like the negotiation was handled professionally, where when we come away from all of the commercial terms, from all of the back and forth, from all of the holding positions and, and trying to fight for what's right for your particular organization, you can shake hands and go on to the next step, whether it's closing out the deal together or potentially not closing out the deal together, but at least still 
as two human beings be able to look each other in the eye and go for a coffee, go for a drink, go for a meal, be able to stay connected in some way, shape or form. We will always have that strong bias internally to, to defend our territory from a sales position versus a buying position. But we really do want to make sure that we have done so professionally. And again, with that boost of confidence to be able to do it time and time again, you know that you can drive a better, deeper outcome for your business partner and for you and your organization. And so when you do that time and time again, that's where you're going to see better outcomes because you know that deals are put together in a more effective manner. And finally, you will find that you will have an improved reputation. Once again, when you can walk away from a negotiation, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, be able to shake hands with your negotiation partner and say, let's go for a drink. Let's go to dinner. Let's stay in touch. You know that that is a great relationship for going forward. You never know when somebody may want to refer you in the future. Maybe it doesn't work out on this deal, but maybe it works out for someone else because they didn't have the budget, but somebody else does because this isn't the right solution fit for them, but it might be for somebody else. You just want to make sure that those people who are on the side, whether it's through a same side selling approach, like we discussed in last week's book review from Ian Altman, or whether you're sitting across the table from one another, however you structure your negotiation deals, you want to make sure that you at least walk away with that improved position so that you have a reputation that is one of strong and fair and that people want to do business with you because they know that they'll be treated well going forward. So if we don't do this right, there are three big mistakes that most B2B sales professionals will face as the negotiation goes on. The first is that they underestimate the power of the buyer. And it's not always the procurement professional that I'm speaking about. It is whoever it is representing the buying committee that has majority of power that you may not take into consideration. You never know if there's another party as part of the discussion and what influence they may or may not have as part of making the deal move forward. Without doing the research and asking the questions and ensuring that you're familiar with what the buyer's buying process is compared to your selling process and how you can interweave them and make them work, you really are handing your power back to the buyer and then are subject to their buying process. And if you haven't uncovered all of the facets of what's involved with that, you never know if they could pull something at the last minute. Think of an example where you have likely thought you were dealing with a champion who is going to see the deal through only to learn at the end that they actually aren't the right people. They're now going to throw it over to procurement and they're going to try and negotiate further with you. Or they're going to go to the ends of the negotiation. They're going to you're going to think that you've done everything that you possibly can. And yet somewhere in the background, somebody who isn't directly involved in the deal, but is being kept up to date on the deal. I'm thinking of a procurement leader or a CFO who doesn't like the deal as presented and wants to take a shot at it as well. So being ready and understanding what is involved so that not all power has been given away and that you can prepare yourself for what might lie ahead. The second big mistake is B2B 
being too emotionally involved. And I can completely understand where this is a challenge. After all, people will treat it emotionally because it is their job. We've explained this before where selling is about change, changing from status quo. And if someone is making a commitment to step away from a current solution, which either they have decided or someone else in their organization who's still there has decided, maybe their boss, their boss's boss, something that someone has to admit isn't working any longer and we need something new, improved, to make the position work better, to get better outcomes. And there's going to be some resentment if things don't go well. We'll get so heavily involved personally and emotionally because of the time it takes to get through all of the meetings, to get through the research, to get people on board. There's, there's an emotional investment made by both parties to get the deal to the end state. And if we don't hold our emotions in check, we can give away our positions really quickly. We can also let our emotions take over where what I was stating before, can we walk away at the end of the deal, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, and still be able to have a drink or have a meal, or at least be able to stay in connection with that potential negotiation partner in the future. Sometimes negotiations have gone sour and people don't have that relationship anymore. It's, it's strained. And we need to consider how we keep that in check so that we can maintain our positions for future negotiations. The third big mistake is that there are politics involved. We're not always going to know all the relationships and interests and special areas that are going on within the organization unless we're doing our part to ensure that we know as much as we can through the process. That's all the way from the discovery meeting all the way to that price negotiation phase. Really asking lots of questions, uncovering who could else could potentially be impacted by the deal and getting their interests on the table, bringing them in to get buy-in, making sure that we don't uncover or see potential issues where one area might be affected by another and yet the other group might not be included or involved or aware that something might be happening. And if this is the case, then you never want to be in that position where the politics take over, right? The deal makes sense, the pricing looks good, it seems like we can make this deal work, but Charlie over in manufacturing area isn't happy with this because it's not gonna suit his part. Or Sally over in marketing isn't aligned because it actually goes against what she is working on for a specific campaign. Have we really figured out all the politics that could go on in an organization? It's likely not possible, but we need to be prepared because if we haven't done our preparation work, you could never be too sure that something might just pop up out of the blue and ruin your deal altogether. Now, let's look at the strategies that we want to adopt when we are approaching our price negotiations and be absolutely sure that as we go through this process, we are setting ourselves up for success. The first strategy is to position the gap. This is all about ensuring that the value is first and foremost presented in a manner that it delivers on the outcomes that are to be achieved. So 
we want to ensure that we have measured and quantified the amount of the outcome of what the solution is going to deliver and that the investment for that solution is far less than the results of the outcome that are being achieved. Plainly stated, <laughs> the investment of a $100,000 solution is going to generate a million dollars of net new revenue for the customer. There's a wide enough gap from the investment to the outcome that it makes sense to want to step out of the comfort zone and reach for that outcome. We need to ensure that we have positioned the gap accordingly, that the value and the investment being offered will generate a much bigger impact in the outcome than if they weren't to make the investment. We don't want to position the price. And we don't even want to use the word price <laughs> because at the end of the day, that's what procurement is looking for. They're looking for a number without any context so that they can just do a quick calculation of price times 0.8 to ask for a reduction. The second strategy is to be the guide. This is along the same lines of storytelling and a good storyteller is being the guide, not being the hero of the story. This is your role as the price negotiator for your organization. You are the guide. You are the person leading the negotiation. You start, you set the agenda, you put offers on the table first. You need to be first and foremost out front and explaining to your negotiating partner, here's how we're gonna play this out. Here's how this process works. I believe it will instill a big confidence in you, but it will also instill confidence in your buyer to know that they can easily just rely on the same formula as price times 0.8 and drive a deeper discount. But if they feel that you have their best interest at heart by positioning the gap and then being the guide to say, here's how we get to that outcome. Here's how we see this playing out. Here's how this investment is going to help you generate this kind of an outcome. And we do that through A, B, C, D, E. Again, being that guide and putting them on that path, not making them walk it, but getting them to walk down that way, that path that you have created for them is what's going to make you a stronger negotiator as part of the team versus being the person who is trying to be the hero and again, trying to position in a way that you it's all about you and all about your company and uh, how it benefits in your, your organization versus how the customer or potential customer is going to be better in the long run, breaking away from status quo and achieving better results for themselves. So be the guide and put them on the right path to success. The third strategy is that you have to contain your composure. This is all about the emotions. There will be heated exchanges. There will be digging in the heels for positions on certain areas and especially around pricing. And this is one where people will have their backup against the wall. There will be people on the other side that need to bring in the deal in a manner that perhaps is not going to align with your goals and objectives. And this is where there needs to be negotiations back and forth and what makes sense. It can be discounting, but it could be something else. 
And this is where you have to remember that you're negotiating with a human on the other side. They are going to get frustrated, angry. They're going to perhaps not want to call you or email you. They'll start with one communication method and they'll change to another because they won't want to face off and be contentious. And yet it will become contentious. And that might change again. They'll go from being angry to frustrated to furious all in the same day perhaps and that's why the communication style will change and that's why the communication modes will change and we need to be prepared for that but we need to keep our emotions in check and realize this is a business decision and this is how we get to the end path we can scream and complain about the method in which we're doing it but at the end of the day this from your perspective is still the best path going forward to get the outcomes that they are desiring it might be ugly, but it will happen and be on the, when you get to the other side, when you get past the ugliness and we've agreed on whatever the amount is, we know that the outcome is going to achieve X, Y, and Z for you. This is why you need to act like the guide and get them down the path with a very calm, composed manner. If you're angry and frustrated and upset and showing your cards in that manner, that's only going to heighten the situation and make it so that it becomes way too confrontational versus more strategic and logic as people are dealing with the issue at hand, which is how do we make this work for both parties? So think about how you keep your composure when you're dealing with people who will display emotions that won't always 100% align the way we'd love it to, which is Here's the price. Are you happy? Yes, I love this price. This is great. Sure, that can happen every once in a while, but we know that it doesn't happen all of the time. But by containing our com emotions and, con and composure so that we are seen as being professional and courteous and professional, that's going to heighten up our ability within the negotiating partner relationship. Bringing that confidence that I've been speaking about before and put you in a, a better light when it comes to being uh, putting a deal together and making it work for both parties. The fourth strategy is to take the trading card approach. If you think back as a little kid, maybe you were uh, like this. I d wasn't, but the, the metaphor kind of works in that there were times that you used to be able to trade baseball cards, and that's what it was. It was a trade. It was, I have this person. Do you have this person? I believe my card is worth this. I believe this might be this person, this card is actually worth two cards because perhaps it's more uh, widely known it, because it might have more value, like whatever. As a kid, when you were bartering back and forth with your friends over these trading cards, you, you came up with what made sense in the moment, again, based on the facts of the ground of, uh, at the time. And so you want to treat it like it is this barter system that it you have to trade for what it is that you're trying to achieve. We can expect that a buyer or a buying committee will more than likely come back and challenge pricing. We want to treat it as if there's an opportunity for them to get a, a discount if we choose to negotiate in that manner, but it has to mean something for us as well. I think about... One of the books, The Transparency Sale, written by Todd Capone, who talks about when he negotiates, he doesn't negotiate as uh, we give discounts. However, I'm willing to pay you in the form of a discount 
if we can get something in return, perhaps better payment terms, perhaps we can extend the term of the deal. Like there is something as a give and a get that's part of the ask. If they want pricing to be improved, there has to be something better for you on the other side. And so you need to be aware of what some of those gives are and where the value is in them. Again, perhaps longer payment terms is only worth a certain point or two uh, because of the financials that work for you, but perhaps a three-year deal versus a one-year deal is worth a lot more because again, you don't have to go through this for a longer period of time knowing that you've got a longer deal in place. So what is it that you are trading as part of the strategy for, for any price concessions should you wish to offer any? And what are the values of those concessions? Are you familiar with what it could potentially be and where that trade-off works for you and for the negotiation partner that you have? The fifth strategy is what I call finish the race. When I was racing in my last Ironman race, it was really late at night when I decided to throw in the towel. I had started the run on the, uh, at the end of the day, it was a long day. I had gone through the swim, I had gone through the bike, and now I was on the 26.2 mile marathon run. And it was more of a run walk. And after I had run through the halfway mark, I started calculating in my head how much time it was going to take me to get to the finish line. And the challenge was I didn't think about the finish line. I was only in my mind calculating what does it take to get to the next mile. And the challenge was once I got to the next mile, I then started doing what I call Ironman math. It's not quite accurate. <laughs> and the challenge was that I even mentally still can recall doing some of that math in my head as I was walking for another two miles before I finally decided in my mind that there wasn't going to be enough time for me to get to the finish line. So I called it quits, asked them to come pick me up in a van. I took a defeated approach. I didn't think about the finish line. I didn't think about, well, what if we walked a little bit faster? What if we weren't just walking, which by that time I was, but why couldn't I figure out a way just to do 10 steps? Like this mile I'll do 10 steps as a run. And then the next mile I'm gonna do 15 steps as a run. Like what will that do? Well, how can I recalculate and be thinking about the, the solution, thinking about the solution being I need to get past the finish line versus I just need to know if I'm gonna make the number based on hitting a certain time in the next mile. So I was shortchanging myself, which really set me back. And this is where the metaphor comes in for you in that I want you to be thinking about finishing the race. I want you to be thinking about that when we're in pricing negotiations, this is the end. We, we have gotten past everything else. We're, we don't need to demo anymore. We don't need to test. We don't need to justify whether or not this is going to work. We're really at a point now uh, that this is about how do we come to commercial terms and want to shake hands and put this pen to paper or issue the PO or however the deal gets finished and is truly a done deal. And then with that sense in mind with that strategy of this is about finishing the race, not just looking at how do I just get another point or two, or how do I get a little bit more leverage as part of the deal, but truly 
solving a problem, delivering outcomes that are going to benefit the customer through a guided process that instills a confidence in them that you are the right solution for them in this moment. You, all of these factors are all centered around finishing the race, getting to an end state, knowing that we can work through any of these challenges that they're presenting and that we are going to have a deal at the end. If we don't have that as a mindset, we are setting ourselves up for failure and you'll be like me struggling to get to another point because we're just not thinking about the end game. We're thinking about that next mile instead. Finally, whether we like it or not, the sixth strategy is we need to think like Kenny Rogers. And what I mean by that is we got to know when to fold them. There are times when we need to really consider, does this deal make sense? Does this deal make it better for the customer, for the outcomes that they're going to achieve? And we as an organization are going to see revenue, profitability, increased visibility because it's a, another customer that we know can be satisfied with the work that we're going to deliver and we're going to get referral business from it or we're going to get testimonial business from it. We see a positive outcome. We're not shortchanging ourselves. We're not cutting corners. We're not trying to deceive our way to close a deal that really isn't of any benefit or of interest for us. We still need to be in business to deliver the solutions for our customer. And if we find that the pricing negotiation is one in which we can't achieve the revenue goals or the profitability goals for our organization in the manner in which it's being presented, then there, we might need to walk away from this deal. And sometimes admitting to our negotiating partner we have come as far as we can. We have put everything on the table. We know exactly where you need to be or where you'd like to see this price at, but based on the outcome you're trying to achieve, based on what we've already talked through in terms of transition costs and project plan and investment that it's gonna take from us and from you in order to get there, this is the best we can do. And if you cannot meet it, there unfortunately may not be a relationship here for us to be able to bridge. As much as you want to finish the race, which I just said in the last strategy, we do need to understand that we don't do business to lose business. It does us no good to be putting a deal forward where we are going to lose money. Are there strategies that people absolutely take business as a lost leader because they know they can make it up elsewhere? Sure, and if that's a risk that you, you have weighted and calculated and decided that that makes sense for you, by all means, proceed. I believe though that it has to be, again, this win-win for both parties. They have to win as the negotiating partner that they're gonna receive outcomes that you know that you can deliver for them in, this, in the manner in which you've proposed that far outweighs the investment that they have to put forward and the investment that you have put forward is fair and transparent and is willing to be tested if, if need be, but it can only be done through you because this is truly customized for them. And if they can't come to that point, if they, if they cannot match you, if they have gone as far as they can and you've, you've done everything possible, you've thrown in all the additional value you can, you've done 
all the creative solutions that you've thought of, that thought of adding extra value, whether it's extra training, extra licenses, extra term length, whatever it is that you've offered, if there is still this resistance and you know that you're never going to get it approved on your side, that's where you need to call either a timeout or just tell them that we are done at this point. If we can't agree, then we're going to pull a Kenny Rogers and we're going to fold him and we're going to walk away from this deal. For those of you who get the reference, you're my kind of people. If you don't get the reference, look up Kenny Rogers, <laughs> the gambler. So honestly, be like Kenny. Just know your limitations. Know what you're walking into for that deal and be ready if need be to walk away. Because at the end of the day, as much as this is about the customer and the successful outcomes that they have to achieve, we as the selling organization still need to be profitable. We still need to meet a metric that we're tasked with. If we've done our job properly, if we have positioned ourselves as the solution of choice that has been measured against a specific set of outcomes, that that investment in the solution will be far less than the outcome that they are going to achieve, there should be no reason why they wouldn't want to proceed. And if they are truly just digging in because they true truly want to see a number that we can't match, we need to decide if we really want to proceed and do a price discount to meet it, or what might be a better option is to walk away from it this time, perhaps revisit in the future, and perhaps by you stating that you've come as far as you can and if we can't meet it, we're walking away, them realizing that they've pushed too hard, that now they're willing to concede and sign, or they will say, fine, then we'll go somewhere else and then we'll let the chips fall where they may at that point. But just understand what your limitations are and know that when you've reached that point that you're prepared to walk away because you've prepared for in advance and you know what that point is and therefore you can have confidence that you've done everything that you can to put something together, but if it doesn't work out this time, perhaps in the future it will. Leaders are readers. Want to become the next leader for your team? Let's check out what Tim is reading this week. This week, if you haven't caught on already, the, the book that I read is The Transparency Sale by Todd Capone. And there's so much goodness in this book. I have referenced it on other podcasts, which is why I read it again, because I was really needing some of what Todd was talking about in this book. There is so much value here because he walks you through his thought process on a deal as a former CRO and also as a sales leader and trainer in the sales community. Todd really is one that is being, just as the title talks about, being very open and transparent about how he does deals, how he structures his sales team, how he approaches a customer with very much an open book. This is the best that we can do. This is what we believe the right outcomes are for you. This is how I think that the deal can go. The example I gave about uh, the paying you in the form of a discount is straight out of transparency sale. So I would encourage you, if you haven't already, to pick up a copy of Todd's book. There is so much value there through it all. I've got it earmarked, which is why this also, just like last week, I am not giving away Todd's book because I go back to it time and time again, just to reference as a point of reflection of, am I thinking about this in the right way? And some of the words and the methodologies that Todd 
uh, talks about in his book are of great value and reinforcement that I what I believe I, that I'm putting forward for my clients and people that I work with is that the, this is the right approach. I feel that Todd has uh, somebody in the community who has uh, a lot of uh, exposure. He has uh, a lot of people who are following him and really taking on with the transparency sale methodology, one in which I believe really resonates with the same kind of thought pro that I work through. So I encourage you, if you haven't in already, go ahead, order it, give it a read. I think you'll really enjoy it. And I think you'll get a lot of value out of picking up on some of the approaches that Todd talks about in his book. Well, that does it for another episode of the Win the Deal Show. I hope that you are getting tons of value from this. If you would do me a favor, please share this episode with your friends in the sales community. I'd love to get some feedback of what you think and what perhaps some of your sales professional friends are thinking about from a price negotiation perspective. What did I hit and what did I miss? What were some of the things that resonated with you? And what were some things that you thought that just doesn't quite make sense? I'd love to get your feedback. Send me an email at tim at timbarnaby.com and share your thoughts with me. And if you're loving this podcast, if you're getting a ton of value, if you can't wait for the next episode to show up, go ahead, hit subscribe right now on your podcast player of choice. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, as well as any podcast platform that you can find us on. So please go ahead, share this out so that others can hear about it and uh, experience the episodes as well. And if you're really uh, feeling uh, generous, which I hope that you would be, please go ahead and give us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback and reviews will help other audience members discover the Win the Deal show. So that's it for this week. Continue to go out, put out great deals that really and truly reflect that benefit for your customer where the gap is separated from the investment to the outcomes that they're going to achieve, where you are instilling a confidence as the guide, where you are truly taking them down a path that with your emotions in control, put you on a better path forward because you know that this is the right approach and you know all of the limitations that you have that will get you to an end state that is more favorable for both your customer and you. It's gonna instill a confidence in how you deliver. It's gonna bring you closer to having better relationships with your potential customers. And ultimately, it is going to help you win the next deal. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Win the Deal Show. What action will you take away and implement? We would love it if you would leave a rating and review in order to help others like you find this show. And remember to subscribe so that you will be the first to hear the latest episode. Check out all our episodes at winthedealshow.com. Thank you for listening. Now, go out, take massive action, and win the deal.